This is the one with a perfectly ripping performance. A superb innings worthy of the master. A cocktail in the bath. And a butte and a hoot. <laughs> it's called a Black Orchid. Here, Here we, we go. go. We're embarking on a voyage all through time and all through space. Counting Daleks, Dalek, Hood, and the Cybertronic race. Sontarans look like taters and Silurians all have wonky scales. And the Doctor has a TARDIS. We're reviewing all his tales. Who back when? Reviewing all of who there is. Who back when? Subscribe and read on iTunes, please. Episode by episode, we're trudging down this temporal. Come join us on this odyssey. What other choice could there be than who back when? Who back when? What ho, dearest podcast land, and welcome to yet another fantastic episode of Who Back When, the Doctor Who podcast. Or Doc Past. (laughs) Doc Past, indeed, old chum. Holy moly, do we have a treat for your earballs today, podcast land. Before we jump into all that, I am Leon, and I have the esteemed pleasure, the privilege, to be looking across the ether, across Zencaster tonight, at my colleague in Berlin. It's Jim. Hello. Why, hello, Leon. Hello, Podcast Land. And we are coming to you live for us <laughs> with an episode in which we will be discussing the not regular four parter, but two parter Black Orchid. Yes. Yeah. Unfortunately, we will be discussing the thing that I unfortunately watched. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, spoiler alert. We did say before pressing record that neither one of us was particularly charmed by this episode. But I assure you, we will try not to be haters. This serial, just like any other, deserves its day in court. <laughs> Wait, Jim, you're raising a hand. I'm raising a hand because I'm not signing up to not hate this. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> I'm starting as a hater. <laughs> oh, no. All right. Well, <laughs> I'm going to try to keep an open mind. Jim, I would like to tell you something. Okay. I okay. suspect that this is despite... Uh, okay, I read two things in the trivia before we jump into B-Scout Country. I read two things in the trivia. One was that in, I think it was may have been Doctor Who magazine, you know, they ranked up... At some point, they ranked all of the... Um, all of the serials. Uh, sorry, it's not Doctor Who magazine. It's something about Gallifrey. Like, I feel like it's one of the cons. They ranked all of the episodes or serials. And this one came in at around 50. It's like 55, 56, something, wow. uh, something like that. So that's, that's nowhere near as bad as you might think. The other thing I read in, this, in the trivia was that Davison and pretty much the entire cast hated this serial, thought that it was really poorly written, and that it was basically just a different script repurposed for Doctor Who, which it turns out may indeed be the case, but we'll get into that. What I'm trying to say is we may end up offending people. <laughs> Before we do that, we, though... Oh, sorry. We hate because we love. That's the only <laughs> thing, you know. <laughs> Okay, well, before we jump into the review proper, how about we summarize this uh, little nugget of who in a bite-sized chunk of who? What a spiffing idea. Time for us to synopsize, lubify and summarize. So take a view and grab a brief and listen to this overview. This free-for-all we like to call a bite-sized chunk of who. Bite-sized chunk of who. The TARDIS seems to have developed a compulsion for Earth, more specifically England, so we find ourselves there again, this time in 1925. 
Shortly after materializing at a train station, Doc is mistaken for another Doc, and the whole crew gets chauffeured off to a rather fancy estate, old boy, for a bit of cricket and light cosplay. Mistaken identities must run in pairs, because it turns out Nyssa has a doppelganger amongst the Worcestershire Talbots, and she just so happens to be engaged to the same champ Doc is coming to meet. Everyone in the generic country estate is in good spirits, and happily enjoys a bit of cricket and an outdoor costume party in the marvellousness that is the British summer. But it wouldn't be a decent Doctor Who serial, and we're not saying that this is one, without a bit of intrigue. As luck would have it, though, the homicidal Quasimodo stowed away in the tower is about to bludgeon his Brazilian guard chum and wreak havoc on the proceedings. Beast count over. Oh, you are welcome. <laughs> Aren't you just, old boy? So... <laughs> oh, indeed. <laughs> Holy moly, that sounds a little bonkers, but the thing is, we really haven't left out anything. From that bee scowl. We normally tantalize the senses a little bit with a bee scowl. These two very short paragraphs, I feel, entirely encapsulate what happens over the course of a double feature or a double episode. Yeah, that's in some ways, I would have rather just watched someone read out our bee scowl than the serial. Oh, wow. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I've been I made on too a light harsh. note there. <laughs> <laughs> It's not a very long, convoluted storyline at all, that's for sure. And it's only two, two episodes, as we've... That's true. Said. It's only two episodes. First time since the Sontaran experiment. It's a historical first time since the Highlanders, uh, Troughton serial. So a couple of firsts there. All right, so the, the chap who wrote this, Terence Dudley, here's what IMDb Trivia has to say. Peter Davison apparently claimed that Terence Dudley, in confidence, spoke to him about this and said that actually, this episode was never meant to be a Doctor Who serial. He wrote it as a murder mystery series, found it, quote, in a bottom drawer and just turned it into a Doctor Who story. <laughs> I can believe that. 100% I can believe that. Like, I'm almost willing to bet that the only reason Peter Davison signed up for this one is because he gets to play cricket. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's... We, we haven't really got a starting question going at the moment. If, if you've got one, feel free to throw it. Otherwise, I've got a few. I may as well just... Okay. No, no, sure. Sure. Do you, do you Dude, take it away. Whatever you want to discuss. Well, it's just, you know, mentioning Davison there, it's just, it is obvious that the Doctor doesn't fit into this serial as the Doctor. How so? We have him play cricket. Yeah. Cricket for like three minutes or something like that. I don't know. It's I'm fine with that. Not a solid three minutes, but yeah... In in other setting, maybe it would have been fine. When it's part of this serial, in hindsight, not so great. Okay, he's in that corridor for a while, like he's stuck stuck around in his dressing gown, yeah, not interacting with people, literally talking to himself yep. for probably another five plus minutes. Towards the end, he is then accused of the murder, yep. and in my opinion, the most undoctor like in the entire serial of just like blustering and unable to convince anyone and then you know having to use the TARDIS as proof like he gets arrested and like has he to use the TARDIS as proof like I mean, he practically gives up he's like alright fine in fact I think he uses the term I give up and, and then allows himself to be arrested I agree I think everything that you've just mentioned along with just this double feature as as a whole I think it can be categorized as filler there's so much that happens in this serial that need not happen you mentioned he uses the TARDIS as evidence. They have a whole sequence where they basically have to convince the police officer who's driving them to to the station to say, can you stop by the train station so that we can show you our TARDIS? He's like, nah, I don't want to. Please do it. Yeah, okay, fine, I'll do it. They go there. There is no TARDIS. This all takes like two minutes. Back in the car. 
drive to the police station. Someone says, hey, there's a TARDIS here. You could have saved yourself yeah. all of that with like one line of dialogue. You could have just gone straight to the TARDIS. Or you could have not stopped off by the train station. Or the TARDIS could have remained at the train station. Like there's no need for it. So in a double feature, you've already, where every episode is 20 minutes plus opening credits and previously on, you've already added another three or four minutes of nonsense of waffle yeah overall i feel like this could have been a one parser yeah it's it's not exactly crammed to the gills with (laughs) With content that's for sure that's true (laughs) what do you think of the setting though is the setting not quite charming and what do you think of the cast like what do you think of team tardis i mean team tardis are barely in it (laughs) is what my overriding feeling is okay I haven't gone to the trouble of counting how many lines <laughs> like Adric, Adric and Nissa have, but a quick search in the transcript, Adric comes up 37 times. Uh, sorry, not Nissa, I, I mean Tegan. Yeah. Uh, but actually, probably Nissa as well, because a lot of that actor's performance on screen is her playing the doppelganger. That's true. And it's not actually Nissa. But yeah, Adric, Adric and Tegan are like basically absent stand up in a couple of scenes, sit down in a couple of scenes, throw out some dialogue, have nothing to do with the plot whatsoever. I have to admit, I thought, Dagnabbit, okay, I thought that they were good. I thought that for for once, Adric was kind of charming, just one man's opinion. And possibly it turns (laughs) out (laughs) the way to make Adric charming is to minimize his presence in the serial. (laughs) Uh, He has very little to do. He spends most of his time just at the buffet, just eating, which is a nice gimmick. By the way, apparently that was Waterhouse's own idea uh, because he was self-conscious about dancing. He was originally meant to do a lot of dancing. He didn't want to. Oh, really? Yeah. Tegan, I thought was... She was one note. She was constantly exuberant and basically wanted to, like, all of her exuberance uh, circled around her wanting to be in fancy dress and wanting to dance. That was all, like, that's the only thing she's capable of doing in this 50 minutes, in these 50 minutes of Doctor Who. Uh, Even to the point where at the end, there's just been a burial. They've just come back from the cemetery and she's like, yay, can I keep my fancy dress outfit? Like, ice cold hot, Tegan. You know, she she is she proves that she is a monster in this one. Yeah. Anyway, and Nissa, I think, does a great job because, she, as you say, she plays both parts of this doppelganger scenario. But yeah. Anyway, so I mean, that's, yeah. That's, so uh, yeah, the the actress does a good job. I think. Uh, yeah, Nissa. I, I think you're right. There, there is there is an interesting element to the companions in this that they they're probably just written more fun. That like they all have. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, and you're a, right. And a, an enjoy a enjoyable presence and they seem to be enjoying themselves yeah which we definitely don't see often possibly not at all with with like all of them together yeah and the little interplays between nissa and adric and tegan and adric like i think you're right they do they do work quite well but they may as well not be there <laughs> <laughs> that's very true <laughs> yes that's incredibly true did, did you find that there was maybe a little bit of added chemistry between adric and and uh what's her face nissa oh a hundred percent i mean right yes when she when she comes over and she basically asks us ask him to ask her to dance I yeah think it is. <laughs> or something like that and then he doesn't want to and then later on i, I can't remember if it's the same part or if it's later on she she goes and she does a bit of dance and his his expression is just like, like just, yeah 
<laughs> I mean, I was going to say like puppy dog eyes. Oh know, yeah. But... Also, sorry. No, also, I think they're really cute in this one. I really, really want yeah. those two to start a relationship of some sort, which ultimately culminates in tragedy. But I, I, I really want that to happen. <laughs> I think they're super duper cute in this one. And I think there's a certain playfulness from Nyssa in particular when she is donning the same outfit as Anne and we're meant to not know who's who. I think there's a certain playfulness from either character that she's portraying that basically is just a stand-in for Nyssa. There are moments when Anne is way too comfortable mm. with Adric, and there are moments when Nyssa is way too comfortable with whomever she's dancing, you know, dancing with. So, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm a fan of that. I'm a fan of that. This feels... Do, would you agree this kind of feels like a um, children in need special? <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, I hadn't thought of it, but I can I can see the parallel, <laughs> right? Like this isn't a real cereal, but as a fake cereal, it's kind of charming. <laughs> I would not go that far okay, myself. Fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's weird because like I've just scanned through my notes and it's so it's so surprising to have so few notes because it's only a two episode yeah. cereal, which is no no bad thing. Like this level of content is what a single episode is for New Who. They can tell a very good story in New Who in that time frame. So, you know, it's not to say that we're going, we're get, we've been cheated out of anything by only getting two episodes. Yeah. You know, this is enough time to tell a good story. But it is, it is shocking how, <laughs> how little like you say, the last, two, the last two um, episodes Cyril we encountered was also atrocious and <laughs> not, not much really happened and yeah wait it just sorry, felt did you like see the people last were having two... a holiday wait did you see the last two serials that we encountered no the last two episode serial that we encountered oh i this, see the yeah. oh sorry experiment. sorry you're right yeah but you know what the Santaran experiment holy smokes did i have a good time talking to you about that one <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it's great fun to <laughs> to rip these things apart sometimes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, go, let's 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 try and get some enthusiasm. There's, there is a charm to this. You're right. The main guy is is he actually Lord Cranley? Oh, I don't Charles, know. I think. Char- oh, Charles. Yeah, possibly. Is he Lord Cranley? Yeah, whatever. I think. I think when they get picked up by the chauffeur. Oh, yeah, no, you're right. Yeah, it is. Two, oh, Lord Cranley. Two Lord Cranleys. Yeah, Lord yeah. Cranley is expecting yeah. you. Yeah. By the way, second time in a relatively short span of time that the Doctor arrives somewhere in the TARDIS and is asked by someone, hey, are you the Doctor? Yes, I am. Come with me. We had the same in uh, The Husbands of River Song. Uh, interesting. We also get in this a uh, Doctor Who? Yes. Oh, moment. Oh, wow. Do we ever. <laughs> May I present the Doctor? How do you do? How do you do? Doctor Who? Yeah, I'm sorry, Mother, but he'd like to remain incognito, and uh, I think we should respect that after what he's done today. What a Doctor Who, that is. That, I mean, that's quite something. I don't know why I'm being so incredibly enthusiastic about it. I mean, it's... <laughs> <laughs> I just I'm caught trying, myself to... there, like, what are you... What the fuck are you on about, buddy? How strong are these Negronis? What's going on? <laughs> I mean, it was incredibly in your face. But yeah. actually done quite nicely as well, because he like it wasn't just the Doctor introducing himself as the Doctor. The person they all think he is, is also just the Doctor. Like, I don't know. Yeah. I don't know why that th- that other chap is just, ah, oh, the Doc, you know. This does kind of 
lead me to one of my... I only had three introductory questions, actually. But one of them is, why does everyone think it's okay that Doc wants to remain incognito? So for context for Podcast Land, there's a point where Doc, after his ripping performance on the cricket pitch, is introduced to the the family... And he is introduced as the doctor, and the context given is, oh, yes, well, I mean, he wants to remain incognito. I think we need to respect that, given how good a cricketer he is. And everyone's like, yes, oh, of course, yes, absolutely, yes, 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 absolutely. No, absolute shit, no. There's a stranger (laughs) in your home, he refuses to give up his name. That's super weird. So why do you think everyone is is okay with that? Because they're a bunch of secretive weirdos? I don't know. I mean, that is true. That is completely true. Maybe this is just... Maybe I mean, they're reasoning, oh, maybe he also has a crazy homicidal Quasimodo son locked in his tower. Exactly. Let's not ask yeah, any questions. We don't know what's going on. And Yeah, they're the most open-minded people in the world. It's just like, we know how much struggle people can be having. Let's not judge. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Times are tough. Times are tough. <laughs> and <laughs> decent help is not easy to find, my you especially when they keep getting murdered by our crazy son (laughs) yeah exactly (laughs) yeah yeah i didn't actually i didn't pick up on that so much to be to be honest so i i hadn't put a lot of thought to it but i yeah i I think it just sort of fits in with that family of just i mean they they invite his entire crew like they're only expecting this one guy he turns up with three other people (laughs) and they they all come along to the cricket match and then they all come and stay over at their house yeah I mean, so far, this is all (laughs) normal, right? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Not worried about the safety. No no, no axe murderer concerns at all. You know what? I've just realized that I have at least 17 more questions. When I said (laughs) I've got three introductory questions, what I meant was I have minimum 20. (laughs) (laughs) Shall we ping pong this? Do you want to let one rip? A question, that is. I say I've just been farting throughout this conversation. So <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Please stop. It's really difficult to cut them out. <laughs> you should just hit me with one and then maybe okay. I can come back with Fine. You. Yeah, no worries. No pressure. All right. Here's here's another question then. Put yourself in the mindset of an insane <laughs> aristocrat who's depending on which one you pick, either son or older brother is a homicidal maniac whom you have pretended for years is dead, or at least missing, and have locked up in your tower with a guard who is there voluntarily, but is also there effectively incarcerated, would you, under those circumstances, host a party? <laughs> I don't know, it's a good good cover-up. Is it a just, good cover-up? Just pretend it everything's really normal. Yeah, come to our house, just don't go anywhere near the stairs. <laughs> Don't ask us why there are more floors visible from the outside than are accessible on the inside. <laughs> yeah, don't ask us why there should be 20, 20 rooms and there's only three, because yep. the rest of it's corridors. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, granted, that may have been more uh, of a rhetorical yeah. question, but I mean, seriously, isn't that insanely bananas? That's crazy bonkers. I mean, I don't know. 1920s, you're a rich bugger. Do you maybe just think you can get away with anything? <laughs> oh, I see. Yeah, maybe. Okay. All right, fine. Question number, I guess, three. (laughs) What do they do with the dead bodies? Well, hopefully at the end, they bury them. I don't know. Like, (laughs) I mean, it's it's true that they... More people should be arrested at the end of this, that's for sure. (laughs) Well, yeah, definitely. That's also one of my questions. (laughs) Why aren't all of them in prison as accessories to murder? That's, in fact, my number one question. 
because they are trying to cover up yeah. murder. They even make a point of talking about accessories to murder get charged exactly the same as the murderer you know, themselves. Yes, they do. I, uh, maybe they're not quite accessories. Maybe it's... I don't know. But How are they not accessories? Some, something you can throw at them, yeah, I'm sure. Oh, <laughs> I'm so squeaky right now. Seriously. Th- how are they not accessories, dude? <laughs> <laughs> well, the the brother isn't, I guess. He he didn't really know a lot about it. He totally knew about it. The mother. Dude, he told... Yeah, the mother absolutely should be guillotined on the spot. I mean, she was... <laughs> Which I think is in keeping with the theme of their uh, fancy dress party as she goes dressed as Marie Antoinette. The the son, though, even though he has a change of heart, A, he knew about the brother there all the time. B, he knew that he had murdered someone else and didn't say, say it to anyone. And three, or C, I can't remember if I went with letters or numbers, he clearly pushes his bro off the roof, right? He doesn't push him. Does he? Doesn't he though? <laughs> I mean, I didn't see any contact, and it really looked like he was going for a hug. I don't know why yeah. you would be going for a hug at that moment. But <laughs> yeah, I I feel like that's the classic. I'm gonna I'm gonna mask scaring my crazy homicidal Quasimodo bro- brother off the roof as a hug trick. Classic, classic murder <laughs> move. <laughs> classic murderer gets you every time. Every time <laughs> that dude. <laughs> You're right, though. Um, I mean, the bodies are buried. But what if the police hadn't been called? What would they have done with the bodies? They have a lot of cupboards. I feel like they might have just kept them in the cupboards. Oh. Yeah. No, no, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> but, I mean, that... They've got an estate. They'll probably just get a butler to bury them. Bury them in the garden. Somewhere. Yeah, no, that's true. I don't know. <laughs> I've never killed anyone and then had to dispose of a body. I don't know what they would do. <laughs> yeah, but all of this. Do you really... hear that, please? That's on record. <laughs> I'll cut that bit. I mean, in 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 general, I feel like all of this adds up to the clearly they are all accessories to murder. I think if you yeah, deliberately no. bury the corpse left behind by your deranged son, you are an accessory to that murder. I mean, I feel like that's what the mother would have done like she she seemed totally like no one is getting to know about this i have to protect the family reputation (laughs) (laughs) yeah i mean that is a valid consideration i agree with you but (laughs) okay fine and maybe i didn't get a grips of everything but i didn't i didn't feel like we knew anyone had died before this evening did we oh maybe not no, that's true. So maybe maybe we'll let that, that slide, because he only murdered two people. <laughs> I didn't feel like anyone was really involved in the cover-up, apart from the mother. There was a little bit of kind of like, oh, we don't want you know everyone to know what's going on until we've sort of worked it out. Especially when the head constable guy, whatever he, he was called, kind of takes control of stuff. But then the, as soon as the brother knew that things, like the mother had been covering up the first death, which meant that Doc was off the hook, he came clean about that didn't he? Like, I, I feel like it was yeah. really just the mother that was trying to kind of hush stuff up. You are right. The The son does come clean when he hears about the murder. That's true. But <laughs> he has also, up until that point, been completely fine with pretending like his brother just went missing, only because he has some scars on his face, and he's been okay with locking him up in the tower. Yeah. I mean, that, that stuff, yes. <laughs> Not just locking him up in the tower. The guy, I mean, the beginning of this episode oh, is like, yeah, exactly. The beginning of this episode is freaking crazy bananas 
all over the place. We've got strangulation, cut two. Someone's tied up in a bed, cut two. Chap with a lip blade catching up on his correspondence, cut two. Train the parts. <laughs> like, <laughs> it is all over the place. Yes. It's one of the weirdest intros I can remember for a long time, that's for sure. Is the murder that we see in the beginning, that's the dude who's stuffed in the cupboard then? I presume so. Like, I couldn't say I recognize the guy. <laughs> I assume it is, but yeah, because so he, he murders him in the corridor. with the timeline. He murders him in the corridor, yeah. and for that reason, the guy's tied up in bed. Oh, you've been a cheeky chappy, you've murdered a dude, better tie you up and put you back in bed. <laughs> <laughs> tie you up with this, this tiny bit of rope that you keep escaping out of. <laughs> yeah. Uh, am I going to learn my lesson? Heck no. <laughs> <laughs> No, I'm going to tie you up the exact same rope again and then casually read this book. Absolutely. (laughs) Do I use a bookmark? (laughs) Absolutely not. (laughs) Will I turn my back on you while you can sneak up on me very indiscreetly and murder me from behind? You betcha. (laughs) Have you got some serious stealth moves of being able to get out of a bed without me hearing in the slightest? Why, yes, you do. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Super duper weird. No hyperbole necessary. I could spend a solid hour just talking about why I think Charles should be locked up. The son, I mean, like the main guy. But yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm not going to dispute that. Yeah, he should be locked up. You're absolutely 100% right. I would sit up beside you in court and prosecute him for the crimes, crimes that conducted against his brother or, you know, whatever. I don't know. Yeah. It was mer- merely the point about knowledge of murders that I was yeah. trying to clarify. Absolutely. Yeah, fine. Yeah. Right, so I guess agree to agree. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, where do you want to go next? I want to go into which is probably the, the biggest topic I can think of for this serial. Because oh. there aren't many big topics. Okay. Which is the poor, poor sad tale of brother whose name I don't even know. George. George, that's it. Yeah. What the hell do you think happened to him? Why do you think he is able to kill people, like literally everyone he comes across within a matter of seconds? What What is his deformity? Just lots of questions. So, so my <laughs> understanding George. is that he was an explorer, effectively. I mean, he was a botanist, and he, he goes exploring to discover new plant life, I, I guess, new flowers. On his journey of exploration, he takes this black orchid. The black orchid, turns out, is considered holy by some indigenous tribe who capture him, torture him. Hence, his like, these aren't deformities so much as their scars. Like, his, his hand is all beaten to a pulp. His face is cut up and maybe burnt. I'm not entirely sure. And um, he is... Oh, yeah. And they cut off his tongue or cut out his tongue so yeah. he can't speak anymore. And uh, he escapes is rescued by the leader of a rival tribe who somehow picks up perfect English and takes him all the way to his estate in the UK somewhere, somewhere in England. Not just that, also brings the Black Orchid, uh, which suggests that he also goes back to the first-mentioned tribe, steals back their holy relic, and takes that somehow, like, with him, fakes paperwork, brings them to England... And goes, yeah, so it turns out somewhere along the way, because he was tortured, your son went absolutely crazy bananas. He is now a homicidal maniac who needs to be under constant guard. I hereby volunteer to be that guard (laughs) 24-7. I will be his roommate. Um, All I require is that you do my laundry and feed me, basically. I'll be in a windowless room forever. And that's it. Oh, that's cleared that up then. Great. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's, you know, it's a classic straightforward tale of man steals flower, man gets 
tongue cut out, man goes crazy bananas. Other man likes said flower, keeps said flower for himself, in exchange looks after tongueless man. Doesn't even keep the flower for himself, gives the flower to the family. I know. I was yeah. like, oh, here's, here's a reminder like, that of... Would, sorry? That would, add, that would add an element, wouldn't it? If, if the... The guy whose name I uh, couldn't Tony. even catch as they Tony said something. it. I feel like at some point no, they shorten his name okay. to Tony. Uh, I'm going to look it up in there. He's, he's credited on uh, Wikipedia as Latoni. So I'm going to go. Oh, Latoni. Okay. Yeah, yeah, you're right. That's right. Yeah. Latoni. If, if he had like an ulterior motive, which is that he wanted this black orchid, which, oh my God, this is the title of the serial and yeah. it's basically nothing. Um, <laughs> that would make yeah, so that would, much more sense. I agree. That would make perfect sense. It, yeah, it would justify him coming to another country yeah. abandoning his tribe he's the leader of a tribe yeah and he's abandoned he's like, yeah no i don't care about them i want this flower which i will never see because i'm giving it to you crazy lady who <laughs> will cover up murder <laughs> yeah yeah okay it's here's another question so it's so bonkers someone shows up in their house for example his fiance Anne, uh the doppelganger nissa's doppelganger at some point Anne will have gone like oh yeah that's a nice black orchid what is that it's like oh yeah that's the black orchid that my son took and unfortunately yeah so that's that's from one of his trips it's like oh right did he did he post that to you Oh no, it would never would have survived the trip. <laughs> so did he did he bring it here? Oh no, no, absolutely not. So why do you have this flower? <laughs> <laughs> There's like a step missing in the logic, isn't there? Well, uh, have you met our friend Latoni? <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't quite work out actually, because once once everything starts coming to light, yeah. they start talking about Latoni, but I don't think anyone does anyone else meet him? I don't think they do. He shows up during the party. He's like, hey, he does. lady, I've got to tell you, your son escaped. <laughs> yeah. So maybe people are used to seeing him. Maybe that could have been a cover story that, yeah, George died out there but or went missing. Yeah. But this dude brought back he a made flower. Friends with this, yeah, this, he made friends with this guy and he came back and he brought us a, a, a gift. Yeah. As is... As is the way of their tribe, you know, yes, which exactly. is the kind of bollocks that, that would be written into this slightly racist yeah, serial. Yeah. We are white people. <laughs> we have decided this is the history of their tribe. I mean, the second they use the word tribe, you know that this episode is entering some pretty risky territory in terms of diplomacy. Like, yeah. I'm pretty sure some of this is not above board. <laughs> <laughs> it doesn't feel comfortable watching this, that's for sure. I don't know if there's anything necessarily that like really struck alarm bells, but just seeing that character in this serial just, I don't know, just seemed wrong. I guess because it's 1920s era, you know what the British were doing. <laughs> yeah, It's just like, yeah, he's not there really voluntarily. <laughs> yeah, except he is, weirdly. There's a sense of entitlement about his having volunteered. It's like, oh yes, of course. I mean, you know, the, the chap who's not a white English person. He absolutely wants to be locked up in that tower. It's his desire to be locked up in that tower and do our bidding. <laughs> this is what I'm saying. Diplomatically, very risky territory. It's like a diplomatic minefield. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not even going to go into the various ethnicities that people have dressed up as at the party, by the way. <laughs> There's definitely an um, Arab gentleman in there who's not. Arabic. Maybe that's actually not an entirely unrealistic portrayal of what things would have been like in 1925. That's a, a, a long rope you can give yourself to, <laughs> to justify rope. all kinds of shit. Uh, true. 
Yeah, that's true. But yeah, I didn't really pick up on that. Are they are these background characters? It's, I don't recall the yeah. the main cast. No, the main cast are all either English or French, I think. As in yeah. uh, in their dress up. Oh, plus Anne is dressed as just some sort of weird butterfly ballerina, as is Nissa. Indeed. Adric, I'm not sure what he's dressed up as, but he's still wearing his bloody maths badge. I kind of felt like Adric was still just Adric. <laughs> what does he wear? <laughs> I don't know what he wears, but he he has his maths badge on his person. Or possibly he has a different badge on. Anywho. Oh, I found a picture. He yeah, he's just got a, like a frilly shirt on. Yeah. I think it I think it probably is his maths badge, you're right. <laughs> Well, he's not going to give that up, is he? It's his. No, he's um, very proud of it. He's on Destra, man. <laughs> Certainly, yes. <laughs> Since we're on the topic of the costumes, what do you think of the clown costume, the Harlequin costume? The Harlequin? Yeah, I actually kind of liked it with the mask. The the mask was yeah a little bit shite. The, I mean, it's creepy as hell, isn't it? It's pretty damn creepy. Yeah, which is why I liked it. I think. <laughs> really? Ugh. Oh. How do you feel about? Can I, I ask? How clowns. do you feel about clowns in general? <laughs> Are you okay with clowns? Uh, I'm okay as, as in so far as I think they're mostly rubbish. <laughs> but they don't freak me out or anything. <laughs> oh, yeah, they don't freak me out either, but I'm disturbed by the life choices that I've brought them there. Like the, I, I, I don't <laughs> like clowns for that reason. But the mask that the Doctor and that George at a certain point, that they don in this serial, it, it looks super creepy. And no one else covers their face entirely. It's just that one costume. It's like, oh, hey, Doc. I mean, you want to be a clown, right? You want to have a laugh? Here's something that covers your entire head. <laughs> yeah, and that makes you look like well, Ronald McDonald if Ronald McDonald, like, snuck out in the middle of the night to molest cows. Like, this, you, I want you to look as creepy as you possibly can. <laughs> I guess you can blame Anne for that one. She was apparently in charge of the costumes. <laughs> That's true. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think the costume element was kind of interesting. You're going back to, you know, seeing seeing the TARDIS crew having some fun. Yeah. Or that all kind of played into that. Like, I, I really couldn't help but feel this was just... Like, I didn't enjoy the unicorn and the wasp <gasps> in Yoo-Hoo. That's such a good parallel. Oh, nice. That's a fantastic parallel. And you like, didn't like it. Is that what you said? I mean, yeah. And I couldn't help but, you know, draw some parallels. Yeah. It's similar era, isn't it, I think? Yeah, definitely. And Well, I think so. Um, and there's this maybe no, it's, pro, it's post English estate kind of feel. Uh, I've just looked it up. 1920s. You're absolutely right. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's the same sort of as a gathering. I mean, it's I mean it's trope city for the murder mystery things in general. I mean, you've been watching yeah. loads of Poirot. I, I don't know yeah. how often they're in a country home like this. <laughs> oh, so often. I'm sure it comes so up. often. Yeah. yeah. But then I, I do feel like perhaps Unicorn and the Wasp had more going on. That that also is a, I mean, it's a pseudo-historical. You've got an alien in there, but there's still more going on, isn't there? It's a not a proper whodunit, but it's more of a whodunit than this one is. Because we know whodunit. Yeah, definitely. No, I, I mean, I would 100% say that was a better thing than this, and I didn't enjoy Unicorn and the Wasp. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just looking. Uh, Marie gave Unicorn and the Wasp a one out of five. <laughs> nice brava i want to re-listen to that review uh i gave it 2.1 drew gave it 3.5 wait sorry were wow. you in that review as well drew's got a big heart uh if i don't have a score for it then no, I, I guess well, maybe i need to just have a look maybe i i messed up on the website oh i want to re-listen to that either way i think that's a fantastic parallel 
You're right. Same timeline. Ish. Same genre. Exactly the same duration as in screen time. Yeah. I think it's, I mean, it's the same kind of idea that someone who you would assume is like a normal person is killing people. Like in, it turns out to be a supernatural thing in Unicorn and the Wasp, and it turns out to be someone who you thought was dead and has been tortured in this one. Yeah. But I mean, the difference is that in Unicorn and the Wasp, you don't know who the Wasp is until a, you know, a later stage in the yeah. episode. In this one, we literally start with, oh, there's a dude, he's locked up, and he just murdered someone. He breathes yeah, heavily. He's he's like the archetypal evil guy <laughs> trudging around in a corridor, strangling people or like breaking their necks. Oh, crap. If yes. I gave that 2.1 no. and I, I like that more than I did this one. Oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh no i'm so sorry black orchid i don't think you will fare well today oh. i mean just to put this out there i i was sort of joking as i made a note at the end of watching this uh yesterday i think yeah but i i have like a template for where i write my notes and it's a there's an out of five space there at the bottom which i normally don't write something straight away i quite often mull it over but i thought fuck it and just wrote a zero. Oh. <laughs> What? What? <laughs> oh my goodness. Wait, are you saying that this is the worst episode of Doctor Who you've ever watched? I, I don't know. It kind of felt it by the end of it. It was <laughs> It was just Oh no. Like no, like literally it's what the last 10 minutes things actually happen. The rest of it is just nonsense. It starts with a and... sign for the Cadbury's chocolate factory or whatever. Surely that's already worth like at least 0.2. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I am not going to give this a zero. I, but I, yeah, that was few. just. All right. I felt like that was my starting starting point at the end of it. I was like, yeah, I'm going to start as a zero. Leon's going to have to talk me up. Oh no! <laughs> well, I've done a great job of it so far. I didn't realize that the stakes were so high. <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there are things to like to 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 like about it. Like we, I think we started talking about um, Lord Cranley in a, a positive light and didn't really finish off that. Yeah, he's charming as heck. Like his. Yeah. It's a, it's a, again, it's a, I mean, it's a tired trope of a character, but the, the actor, Michael, Michael Cochran mm-hmm. does it very well. I, I definitely enjoyed him and the little quips about having a cocktail in the bath. And, yeah. And, you know, he, what do you do with a cocktail in the bath? Drink it, old boy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Top ho. <laughs> Top, oh, ripping performance. Oh, <laughs> I, I like, I, I wrote down one of the lines here. Oh, ripping performance, old boy. Come up to the house and meet the mater. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we said, yeah, we said about the companions enjoying themselves. Nissa proudly states that, you know, she's from the Empire of Traken. Yeah. She's just talking to the group of humans at the start. Like, I kind of, that's the thing. There's a, there's a heart in here which could have been good. Like, this idea of just bringing companions, two of which are aliens, to a party in 1920s England, like, yeah. that could have been really interesting. But the thing is, I, okay, I um, agree with you, it's not it's interesting, lost. but I think it is charming. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to cut you off there. No, I was just, yeah, just saying it, it, it's all lost, really. Yeah, you're right, there's a, there's a bit of charm left behind, and that's it. <laughs> the because, substance is gone. Yeah, because we do get at least two lines where it's like, um, it, 
Anne asks, as in Nissa's doppelganger, asks Nissa, oh, are you from wherever she's meant to be from? I can't remember now. He's like, no, no, I'm from the Empire of Charles. He's like, oh, I don't, I don't even know where that is or something like that. And later on, Charles asks Doc, oh, where is Adric from? Is he Scandinavian? Oh, Adric, that's his name. Is he Scandinavian? He's like, no, he's um, Alzurian. He's like, oh, right, yeah. I never could remember the names of all those Baltic countries. <laughs> like, th- there's a certain, <laughs> yeah. I-, I quite like that. I thought that was really, really quite fun. Yeah, no, th- those bits were quite nice. There you go. See, now, I mean, now that you've told me what the stakes are, I'm going to go full on positive about this one. <laughs> I am going to get you up. <laughs> in the ratings. In the ratings. Hey, yo. Yeah. <laughs> okay, fine. Whip out your dick. <laughs> Can we talk? <laughs> just, <laughs> sorry, go for it. I'm sorry. My eyes just settled on a line in my notes that just says, whack. <laughs> <laughs> Is that, um, I'm going to guess that that is George uh, thwacking Tony on the back of the head. I think it must be. I actually didn't write anything else around it, so I've lost all context, (laughs) but yeah. I like that George, who is a homicidal madman, and who's basically lost everything, everything that even makes him seem comfortable and relaxed about him you know like he doesn't walk regularly anymore he just sort of shuffles nervously and he doesn't breathe quietly he just (sighs) he's like a wild animal the way that he breathes but he infiltrates the party he knows how to do the charleston (laughs) no one notices (laughs) who he is as long as he's wearing that mask then he just like breaks someone's neck and runs off and then he's back into you know beast mode by the way working title for this the beast oh really yeah wow yeah it's ridiculous that's what it is it's just ridiculous (laughs) (laughs) can we talk doppelgangers sure so there's that's a definite theme in this episode uh doppelgangers and mistaken identity uh you know comedy of errors kind of situation we have the doctor being confused with a different doctor are you the doctor yes i am come with me all right cool but he there are two doctors we have nissa who arrives and she has the doppelganger Anne. we have charles younger brother of george every time they mention george they cut to the portrait of george which is literally just a portrait of charles and inside the book at the end the black orchid book there's a photo of george who wrote the book and it's just a photo of charles so they were like they were twins except they were because he was the older brother so i guess not but they looked identical they're played by the same actor and there's also obviously the case of docs wearing the same costume that george wears when he kills someone so there's that case of mistaken identity as well Mm. my question for you is why (laughs) (laughs) because someone wrote it that way (laughs) okay i mean there's mm. the 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 brothers thing i mean I hadn't really put a... my brain to it at the time. Yeah. Yeah. But it, maybe it did, because is there a level of creepiness that I had not even explored before? Because Anne was engaged to George. Yeah. Then became engaged she is to now. the other brother yeah. who looks exactly like her original fiancé. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No. I mean, this is, th- this goes way beyond Legends of the Fall into like weird, creepy incest territory. I mean, incest by marriage, that's fine. But the, uh, uh, you're right. Uh, sorry, I just cut you off completely, but can I ask you a question as I've already interrupted you? Could it be that they are twins, 
and one was just, you know, popped out before the other, and that's why he refers to him as the older brother. I mean, definitely, definitely, that could be the case. There you I go. Mean, you're a hundred percent that they they look identical based on the photo and painting evidence we get. Yeah. But I'm trying to think. I, uh, Anne must call Charles Charles at various points. Like she hasn't been duped in this, has she? No, 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 no. She has no idea. She is, in fact, uh, upset towards the end. When she finds out that George is still alive and in and locked up in the tower, and then try, he tries to potentially kill her. I mean, it, yeah, maybe he strangles her to the point where she gets knocked out. Does she? No, no, she faints, and then he. Holy shit! I just realised what this is. Her. Holy shit! Wait, are you ready to have your mind blown? Okay, it's King Kong. <laughs> He grabs the the woman that he's weirdly attracted to. Um, I say weirdly because one, I mean weirdly in the sense of King Kong being a gigantic ape who's attracted to a tiny human person. But yeah, he grabs the woman that he's attracted to, climbs up onto the roof of something, and in the end falls down, spoiler alert for King Kong, Yeah, and dies. Yeah, it tracks. I was originally thinking more kind of Phantom of the Opera. No, you're like, right. It is. It's. It, it was. Like, I can't remember how all the details of that work out. But I, again, mm. it's not a novel idea. Like yeah. Quasimodo, Phantom of the Opera, King Kong. This idea of both Quasimodo and the the Phantom of the Opera. They are both sophisticated enough to like have rich emotional lives, and they're intellectual, and they're intelligent, and they're you know they're quite verbose. The Phantom of the Opera certainly is verbose, but this dude is. I mean, there's a reason why the original title for this script was The Beast. He has turned into a monster. Well, you're right. That's totally undone when he, I mean, when he puts on his dancing shoes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> While we're still on the topic of the doppelgangers, there's something that is brought up that is established and that never, ever pays off. And I'm talking about this, the scene in which it is revealed how you can tell Nissa and Anne apart. You know, when, when, of, yeah, of course. Yeah, like, um, Anne goes, Oh, I mean, uh, as long as we wear the mask, like, no one's ever going to see which, like, they're not going to know who's who because we look like almost exactly alike. In fact, we do look alike because we're played by the same actress, but like, we look exactly like, um, alike. Uh, just as long as I don't show this. And then she's like, Boop, that's established. Never, ever revisited. No one ever goes, oh, but who's who? Uh, check, does she have a birthmark? Oh, she does have a birthmark. Oh, no, it's Anne. Oh, you know, we don't, never get that. Yeah, no, not in the slightest. Like, it's not even a, a plot point with George getting the wrong person. Because, yeah, he, he picks up Nyssa yeah. at the end. Yeah. And, but but the, re- the reveal for that is Doc pointing down and saying, look... Anne's down there. Yeah. You've got the wrong lady. Yeah. Why couldn't he just go, well, maybe this is Anne and that's your friend, yeah. Nissa. Yeah. Except in grunts because he can't speak. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Why doesn't right. Doc go the, the, like, yeah, can you can you check her shoulder? Look look for a birthmark on her shoulder. What if it's worse? What if it's like, oh, <laughs> oh yeah, they'll never know who's who just as long as I don't show them this. And then she like lifts up her shirt to reveal Quarto from Total Recall. <laughs> <laughs> <That's it>. Sorry. <laughs> Yeah, I found that book. I found the whole Nissa Anne thing just entirely unnecessary because apart from George getting the wrong person, it's yeah. There's a bit of fun with it, kind of, but it yeah. It was it was such a weird thing to have. And plus, yeah, the other thing that this doppelganger stuff uh, made me think of. I don't know if you had the same thing. Was like whether we had seen 
this kind of thing before, and mm-hmm. my brain went to Androids of Tara. Ooh, yeah, that's nice. There was a there was a confusion with characters, and namely with one of the TARDIS crew being uh, Romana. Yeah, you're right. Having a doppelganger. Yes, that's true. It, possibly, actually, wait, does she have two doppelgangers? Because there's a princess, and there's possibly also a robot version of the princess. The robot? Yes, I think you're right. But yeah, yeah, no, that's a good point. Yeah. Companion, female companion specifically, has a doppelganger. Which, yeah, I don't know if it's just a, a lazy bit of script writing that it's the same idea again, or if there's not really a collection there, so it's not really a problem. Maybe it's just a trope. <laughs> I don't know if it's a... I mean, I'm, I'm kind of assuming that there's a... Oh, hey, there's a... I mean, <laughs> the reason I'm thinking this is because we did also... I mean, you, you mentioned Poirot before, and I do remember a Poirot story where there is exactly the same thing. So, oh, wait, you look exactly like me. Why don't you pretend to be me for a dinner while I go and murder someone? I want to I say it's called 13 for dinner or something like that. Yeah, I'm willing to say that that's a trope. But I think you're right. I think we've only explored it once before in Doctor Who. Oh, I'm going to eat up those words, aren't I? Yeah, that's a new Who thing with the gangers, where there's duplicates of... Oh, yes, you're right. In people, um, but- Yeah, yeah. No, I've literally just come across that on, on uh, Google as well. The Rebel Flesh. Oh, wow. There's a whole section on TARDIS Wiki devoted to doppelgangers. We've got known doppelgangers, coincidental doppelgangers, deliberate doppelgangers, and other... <laughs> The Abbot of Amboise and the First Doctor, they look alike, that's so true, and the Massacre. Ramon Salamander and the Second Doctor, they look exactly like, how am I forgotten about this? Yeah, there are there are like a few of these. Oh, fucking androids have taught it. Dagnabbit, yes. Solid point. I'm only saying Dagnabbit because I'm angry with my brain for having deleted all of these things at some point. These are things that are worth remembering, I said to myself. But it's, yeah, it's it's a trope, definitely. It's not maybe as heavy a trope as one could have expected. Yeah. So, yeah, that's fine. Someone has to talk about the butler that comes to Anne's aid, but has to carefully put down the dish he's carrying. <laughs> you're so right. I love that. Like, oh, no, you're being manhandled. Oh, wait, let me put down the sauce. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, there's no space on this table. Wait, I'll try to. Yeah. <laughs> I know it doesn't happen, but. <laughs> <laughs> and then, uh, then dies in three seconds. Yeah, I mean, that's I mean, karma. You, you, didn't get, you didn't get to explaining this. How does George kill these people that quickly? Well, they say that he breaks the butler's neck. So he's just that How? incredibly strong. He strangles him, but in strangling him, he breaks his neck. <laughs> Uh, I don't know why I chuckled at that. It's it's pretty <laughs> horrifying. But yeah, he does that, and that's why it's so quick. In fact, I think they say that he also yeah. broke the neck of the first Not child, but I, I'm pretty sure we just hear him strangling him. Every time it just looks like strangling. And, you know, I've seen enough, like, shitty karate films. Like, if you're breaking someone's neck, you have to snap their head sideways. Either, yeah, <laughs> either, like, really quickly sideways, or just you get them to tilt their head very quickly. <laughs> Eh? Yeah. Oh, dead. Yeah, exactly. You didn't catch that podcast land because this isn't a video podcast. But stranglehold. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, is it ever alluded? I, mean, I feel like people should be more worried when they're going for a massage if it's that easy to snap someone's neck. <laughs> yeah, or if they're going to a chiropractor or something. I mean, this is quite frankly <laughs> yeah. why I don't go to chiropractors. I'm well aware that if I went to a chiropractor, I might a feel better, b sleep really well, and c be taller. But uh, no. I don't want to be accidentally murdered by someone. <laughs> Have you ever gone to a chiropractor? 
No. Like, have you ever forked over <laughs> your own hard-earned cash to have someone crack your bones? <laughs> no, right? That's insane. No. Yeah. This podcast, by the way, is going to do a hard pivot to anti-chiropractors. That's what this whole show is about. <laughs> Over the course of seven years, it's been leading up to this. We wanted to get a giant following. I mean, oh, wow, really flattering ourselves here. Uh, get a, a, a not insignificant following in order to now persuade them to be anti-chiropractors. Really sorry if some of you are chiropractors out there. Damn it, you're now. giving the game away. We're not quite there yet, dude. <laughs> Dag <Dark> it. <laughs> I think this is the thing, like the way the Wikipedia page was written about this being like the the first historical since uh, the one you named Highlanders, earlier, yeah. which I have now forgotten. Highlanders, like, and I know certain fans really like the historicals, even if it's a pseudo historical, you know. Yeah. And I, I'm not a massive fan of it myself, nope. but fine to each their own, you know. Okay. It's it's part of Doctor Who. I accept that, but I feel like you know, there's probably an extra level here where it's. It's straight up historical. There's nothing supernatural. There's nothing science fiction about yeah, it. That's what this is. But it, to my mind, it means that they've got these weird things shoved in here, which don't make sense. <laughs> Namely, George is able to break people's necks really easily. That's true. Yeah. And there's reference to this black orchid, which yeah, you would you would expect in a Doctor Who serial, like the black orchid had some effect on him. He's now got superhuman strength or something you know yeah that's where things would normally go yeah absolutely. and it, maybe someone just sort of like drew a line and said no we want this to be a pure historical we haven't done one of those for a very long time this could be the opportunity and it's just like no take all of that out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> no you're so right like in a normal doctor i mean quote-unquote normal doctor who episode it would be like oh a tiny seed uh, from an alien planet like aliens came to visit and there was a seed stuck to one of their astronaut boots and as they w walked through the <laughs> um, i don't know where like, let's say the amazon jungle or something they left behind that seed and it then grew pollinated and now there are these actually alien plants growing on our planet and they have a weird psychedelic effect or something yeah none of that none of that like there's, this is another reason why the plant should not be in the house because the fact that it is present could also be used in a Doctor Who context to corroborate why he is still crazy homicidal. Like maybe there's a link there. Yeah, but uh, no, none of it exists. Yeah. It's just dude got tortured and understandably not okay afterwards. Yeah. No. Yeah. Fair enough. Meanwhile, somewhere there is a tribe whose holy relic has just been straight up stolen. In fact, it has been literally uprooted. <laughs> and their culture will never be the same again. Yeah. Yeah. It's uncool, man. No, that's, that's very true. <laughs> Maybe it's not literal cultural appropriation. <laughs> There's an element of it, surely. Stealing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're trying to uh, <clears throat> supplant certain uh, cultural values uh they're trying to oh hang on you probably do better than that wait strike that from the record hey stenographer in the corner are you hearing me okay hang on we're gonna i'll think of a better one. Oh shit i i can't really think of a good one you know maybe i've just turned over a new leaf uh, are they, they turned over a new leaf yeah they're, they're see, seeding the ideas of more <laughs> british rule <laughs> i don't know whether to be serious or kid about this but i really want to Orchid, orchid. Yeah, anyway. <laughs> I, t I totally didn't get that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, horrible, horrible. Yeah. And chin chin. <laughs> 
I have a another sort of random random point in a way, mm-hmm. but certainly bothered me. Is, is it not meant to be like impossible slash really really hard to pick up the TARDIS? Oh, that's a good point. Yeah, um, some some random cops just take it back to the police station. <laughs> yeah, they just lift it somehow. Uh, I had an, I had a similar thought, but the thing that uh, sprang to mind was that at some point in New Who, I want to say that this is in Matt Smith times, they airlift the TARDIS, like a helicopter picks up the TARDIS. I think we have Matt Smith hanging from the door of the TARDIS as it flies over London. Is that yeah. ringing any bells? It's like Cagles uh, it orders this and they, they drop them off at the Tower of London. He's like, what the, what the shit were you doing? I was in there having a shower. But I also feel like there was a, a classic serial not that long ago, and they had to do something like get the TARDIS on its side and use gravity to try and oh, move it wait, down a big slope a or something. I don't know. What was that? That rings a massive like, bell. Wait, what? See, I like, can't remember in the slightest. Oh, damn you, brain. Can't <laughs> anyway, remember I, what it was, but I, I feel like you're onto something, yeah. Yeah. I feel like my point stands that a couple of random cops and shitty 1920s <laughs> cars and technology shouldn't be able to just move the TARDIS around. Yeah, that's true. No, that's true. I mean, let's say two or three humans would have had to have lifted that up onto the back of a lorry or something. Yeah. That seems weird. Like If, if that's what you can do, then this should be a bigger problem for the dock in general. It's like, people are just going to be stealing the TARDIS left, right, and yeah. center. Oh no, there was a breeze outside wherever we landed and the TARDIS has tipped over. <laughs> yeah, that's a, that's a solid point. I feel like that can be chalked up to plot holes. Or like you say, an unnecessary two minutes. <laughs> yeah. The TARDIS can't be at point A, it needs to be at point B. Yeah, exactly. How, how much time did we lose in just ordering drinks? Was that only a minute and a half? Did we just spend a minute and a half ordering drinks from the butler? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> okay, what else can we waste some time on that has nothing to do with the narrative? I forget, have we already had a five-minute cricket montage? Yeah, oh shit, I thought we had another five minutes that we could cut out of this. No, yeah. I, I mean, yeah, you're right, you're right. Shall I jump in with a pong? Because I feel like that kind that of was, segues to a pong. That was the end of the ping, yeah. Okay. Uh, so, pong me, baby. Uh, I, I will pong you. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> the police pick up the TARDIS. They go to the police station, having not found the TARDIS, whatever, blah, blah, blah. They end up at the police station. Oh, the TARDIS is here. Yeah, great. We picked it up with our hands. Fantastic stuff. Great. Good stuff. At this point, we have the actualization of the Doctor proving his innocence by proving that he is an alien being with access to alien technology. In fact, he lets two people... Uh, the what's his face the chap who's the um, what is he is he like the commissioner gordon guy and one of the bobbies into the tardis they dematerialize they rematerialize at the estate and they're like oh wow cool yeah no you're right you are an alien <laughs> you probably weren't lying about being a time traveler either and that's it how do you feel about that how, how do you feel about him just going step into my tardis let's do this in steps i hate it so so much <laughs> why because it's not it's not treated with any kind of respect and understanding for what the tardis is what it is to be a time lord mucking about yeah. with the time of earth what it will mean to these people and it's just flippancy yeah. and just devil may care and just no 
what the fuck are you doing, dog? <laughs> <laughs> it's just all of that. <laughs> Sorry, I've already expressed a little bit of anger at this and more is coming up. <laughs> oh, no, I shouldn't have brought this up. But, but I mean, you, you, that's a super duper valid point. It's, it's like, the, I mean, they don't really get, they sort of, but they don't really get a bigger on the inside moment. The, it, Doc has just blown their minds, but then at the end, they're all like, um, maybe this is why no one goes to prison, because after the Doc has revealed to them that he is an alien being with access to time travel technology, they're like, well, what the fuck does it even matter at this point? Like, I mean, yeah, murder whomever you like. <laughs> Life is meaningless. <laughs> Society means nothing. <laughs> I am now an ant. Why do I care exactly. about yeah. anything? <laughs> what does it matter if we put someone behind bars? This dude can clearly just like flip a switch and our entire existence is undone. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with you. I think that's really, really quite inappropriate. I don't like that. I mean, I don't want to be flippant and say undeserving people are allowed into the TARDIS, but I I feel like if anyone is made privy to TARDIS technology, that scene should be lent a bit more gravitas. And we should, I feel we should have them do one of two things, either have their entire worldview be flipped upside down. Or we have the classic thing of which we did a lot in early Classic Who, where people see the TARDIS dematerialize and they're like, you know what? Let's not tell anyone about this because people will lock us up. They will think that we're crazy. Uh, and we don't get either here. We just get like, oh yeah, fine, you're innocent. No. Uh, which, by the way, I'm not sure that proves his innocence. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it proves he fucked up getting away with it, that's all. <laughs> exactly. like, oh, you have a box that's bigger on the inside. I guess you didn't murder that person that people witnessed you murder. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, it's it's a terrible it's a terrible line for a defense. It it really bothers me just how quickly Doc just gives up on trying to explain his way out of the situation, yeah. trying to use logic and detective work, things that we have seen the Doctor do hundreds of times before, hundreds of times since. <laughs> you know, be charming, be angry, anything. No, it's just very quickly, I'm an alien. I've got a magic box. Look, I'll show you my magic yeah. box. Everything will be fine. Said that before. And then it's just like, <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I mean, heard that before. <laughs> that makes way more sense. <laughs> really, really pissed me off. And it's not even that, it's this, so I looked at him, he's, he's, so he's Sir Robert, is the, is that Commissioner the Gordon? chap. And he yeah. is, yeah, he's Commissioner Gordon. And he's also Chief Constable of the county. That's what he is. Yeah, you're right. So Chief Constable. He's the one that's calling the shots. He's apparently the one that is probably going to arrest them and I hope not prosecute them. I would hope that even in the 20s there was some other level of law enforcement that would actually sentence people. But you know, he's he's a big deal in law enforcement. I could have, could have got on board with things playing out slightly differently and he ended up being shown Matardis still. Maybe even travels in Matardis and you know, he gets a level of convinced through that action, but the way that happens is totally different because the way it happens in this serial is horrible. Could have could have accepted that. But then they they really flip you the other finger when the two I can't remember, I think it's two random cops just kind of like pop yeah. in as well. They just like duck their heads in. I mean, like, Doc literally says, like, Yeah, go no. in after you. Nissa goes like, Oh, yeah, this is gonna like, totally twist your nipples, chaps. <laughs> they just walk in. <laughs> like, what is wrong with you, Nissa? Yeah. Oh, by the way, I really like Nissa in this one. No, sorry, not Nissa, Tegan. Sorry, I really mean, I, I mean, I also like Nissa, but I, I meant Tegan. I like Tegan in this one. Yeah, Tegan was a lot of fun in this yeah. one. 
Good at dancing as well. Well done, Tegan. Yeah, she can do do a good old Charleston. Absolutely. Do you think it's a, co- a coincidence that she dances the Charleston shortly thereafter? Charles descends from the tower. Did they basically summon him with that dance? <laughs> uh, no, is my view on this. Okay, no fair. I don't care enough to argue. I think this <laughs> is how mythologies happen, are created. I will, I will let you. <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> Thank you. I appreciate that. Hats off. <laughs> As usual, not wearing a hat. <laughs> um, Ping me, bro. I don't think I have a real discussion point here. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe it is. I don't yeah. know. But one of the few plus points I did write down in my notes was I very much enjoyed the scene with him escaping by burning down the door. Like, yeah, baller that move, was amazing. Right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm just going to set the door on fire. So that I can more easily kick it down. Probably the entire house. <laughs> yes, exactly. Yeah. By the way, we never see the fire brigade. No. Yeah. We, in fact, we slow down the pace of the serial so everyone solemnly can look down on George's dead corpse after his brother clearly pushed him off the roof. And then <laughs> and then we just sort of fade to the end of the episode. Like, yeah, but your house is on fire. Your house is on fire and three people are on the roof trapped there. Y- yeah. But I mean, serves them right they climbed up there idiots there's there's one point where doc goes oh no the stairs are on fire we can't run up the stairs oh oh yeah in brackets yeah open parenthesis wait two minutes then go back and run up the stairs close parenthesis but like in general (laughs) like the interior of this building is totes merlots on fire this is health and safety so following the house fire yeah, uh, I think you've got another ping pong. Oh, I do have a pong. Whatever we're up to. Yeah, yeah. There's a scene in this one which I remembered from when I was a kid. I have seen Ooh. this serial as a child, or at the very least, I've seen part one as a child. I say I have seen. I had seen part one as a child. And the scene in question is Davison playing cricket. I remembered that. I, I think I've uh, mentioned this on Who Back One before. Like that, that's one scene that I remember qu- very vividly. Just the montage of him bowling over and over and over again. That, that's imprinted, him, emblazoned in my cerebral cortex. It's probably not where you store those memories, but yeah. yeah. Sorry, neuroscientists in the audience. And I'm now thinking that might be the full extent of me having seen Peter Davison. I don't remember anything else of Peter Davison. Wow. Yeah. Since we're talking about the cricket game, is this perhaps a, the optimal opportunity to cut away to one of our fan-favorite segments, the um, Who Back When Sports Report? Why? Well, I, th- I think we have someone standing by, so we better do it. Yeah. Uh, so, <laughs> cutting to Drew Back When on the cricket pitch. Drew, can you hear us? Good evening, gentlemen. This is Drew Back When reporting for Who Back When from Cranley Cricket Club, where we've just witnessed the most extraordinary scenes. Tell us all, Drew. Oh, well, it was it was a match for the ages today. Cranley were really under the pump early doors when a debutante, the doctor, strode to the crease and within moments he'd turned the match around. Is that so? Did he uh, did he bowl any badgers? Uh, did he put a backspin on the uh, on the batting? <laughs> <laughs> was there a bosey in the bottom hand or did he uh, f- find the boundary uh, at the end of an innings? <laughs> ah, Yes, he Fantastic. did the last bit. I was going to say, those are valiant but <laughs> terrible attempts. But you actually started to come good well, at the end there. Much like 
Cranley themselves, thanks yes, to the Yes, exactly. Doc. Well, I mean, he really put in the express pace there, didn't he? Oh, yes. As he comes into bowl, he didn't look too threatening. Fairly standard medium pace with a side-on action. But suddenly he unleashed a series of fierce in-swingers, one of which uprooted the Cranley Invitational Opposition 11 opener's middle stump. The crowd went My wild. goodness, that is some first-class cricket, if there ever was any. Yes, this was a very fine opposition 11, but he made them look like Oxford fifths, <laughs> Cambridge fifths, <laughs> yeah. even. Let's not, get, let's not go too far, Drew. Let's not go too far. There was some really good footwork. I saw a floater, maybe a flipper, pretty solid stuff. What would you say about um, his inside edge? Was there an inside edge? I missed that. Oh, was there not? Oh, perhaps what? I'm uh, mistaken and there's, there was just an incoming batsman. <laughs> Got me a little distracted with his jockstrap. Are you googling cricket absolutely terms. not that simply wouldn't be cricket let's keep the wicket <laughs> and uh <laughs> discuss some knuckleballs what do you say cricket doesn't have knuckleballs excuse me wikipedia makes to differ so as our cricket correspondent <laughs> would you say that the doctor was he a fair player Oh, yes. The the doctor conducted himself perfectly within all the laws of cricket. In fact, he was the perfect ringer. He got on well with his side. They were clearly happy for him when he was taking his one-handed slip catches. Heard that before. (laughs) Been playing for them all season. Yes. His glorious cover drives, wristy pulls and rustic heaves through the leg side were applauded alike. By everyone. Did you say r- risky pulls up the leg side? Yeah, I've heard that before as well. <laughs> <laughs> I think more than anything, the doctor brought a touch of glamour to the proceedings today. A touch of glamour? Is that um, attire related? Is that because he was wearing the full regalia? Uh, no, it was just it was just his extraordinary performance. Yeah, so I, I would have to say that his his attire did not look entirely, uh, you know, up to gold. To the, to the standards? It was not, not all white, it was a bit more pyjama-like, wasn't it? Yes, it could have probably done with a little bit of bleaching. Uh, perhaps he, he's got it yeah, dirty. That's enough negative uh, bowling from Jim, session. I think. <laughs> yeah, Jim. Stop, stop trying to yeah, take the Stop trying down. to nibble the Night Watchman. Sorry. <laughs> nibble the Night Watchman. He was no Night Watchman. He'll be an opener before you know it. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if England's chairman of selectors wasn't sniffing around him if he keeps up this rare mid-season form. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, thank you so much, uh, Drew Backwen. Thanks, chaps. And if this has served as an enticing taste of the marvellous world of cricket, why not pop down to your local club in the next couple of weeks? They'll doubtless be short of numbers, and who knows, you may even get to play against the Doctor himself. We're back in the studio. Thanks, Drew. (laughs) 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 Definitely not (laughs) pre-recorded. That's excellent. I I feel like that's one of those moments where if this were a video podcast, we could have just us standing there still for a moment, waiting for the delay to catch up, and then just go, thanks, Drew. (laughs) Yeah. And here's Chet with the weather. (laughs) How would you feel about us jumping into uh, ratings territory, Jim Cakes? Why, let me just slip into this bath and grab a cocktail. What on earth would you do with a cocktail in the bath? (laughs) Why, drink it, old boy. (laughs) (laughs) And now it is time to rate this. Did we laugh or hate this? Bing bong, bing bong, hey, la 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 la. Ratings. We have arrived at the Hour Ratings section of this podcast episode. Welcome! Make yourselves comfortable, dearest podcast land. Alas, it turns out I lost the index finger on the tip of nose game, and thus I am the first out of the gate. 
And I have to tell you, I have gone, I've gone mega brief with this one, like super duper mega brief. I've divided into different categories. I've given every category a rating, and then I've literally just calculated an average, and I'm not happy about my average. But there you have it. You can't argue with maths. <laughs> so here we go. I'm giving this 3.0 for Team Tardis Charm. I'm giving it 0.8 for its lack of applause. I'm giving it 2.5 for it having been aired on television. That's AKA the Attendance Award. 0.3 for cultural <laughs> appropriation. And yeah, you think 0.3 is too high a score for that category, but fine, come at me, bro, because it was a talking point and that merits a spot in the plus column in my book. I'm giving it 3.0 for The Doctor, 3.1 for Adric, <gasps> controversial. <gasps> yeah, that's right. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I'm giving it 4.0 for Tegan. I'm giving it 4.2 for Nissa because, well, I mean, for the actress who played two different characters, she deserves a higher score. 2.9 for the lip plate prop. 1.2 for this being mostly filler. 4.0 for shock and awe. And 1.0 for this being a pretty dumb pile of shit, which leads me to a, oh man, I'm, this leads me to a disappointingly average average of, kid you not, some pe there's, there's like a rain man in the audience who's already done the maths, of literally, mathematically, exactly, precisely, unreservedly, and downright holus bolus, 2.5. <laughs> Entirely unintentional. Wow. Yeah. I mean, there, there was a point where, okay, I... I it, it, backstory, I put together whatever, a few categories, and I was like, oh, sh shise, it, this got me to like 2.54, and I said out loud, that's too high a score, I'm not happy about that score, I need to add more stuff, so I added a couple more categories, thinking, what, what can I do? I'll lower this score a little bit, and it lowered it to precisely 2.5, like, not even more decimals, or, you know, spots after the decimal point, it's exactly 2.5, there you go. Nice. Yeah. Okay. Ugh. You th you think this is average? I uh, struggling to see how you do that. Yeah, I but don't think it is. I think it's shit. <laughs> 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 I, I disagree with the maths. <laughs> I want to give this like I a one point eight. You failed to put enough categories down. That's the problem. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Here we go. All right. I got to swap my order around. I actually wrote down thumbs down stuff first and then thumbs up, but I'm going to switch them because I think that's more appropriate. Okay, yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> so start with the fun things. First out the gate, you've already alluded to this, we discussed it. Yeah, there are some fun companion interplay. Yeah, it's nice to see them all enjoying themselves and be happy, playful, literally dancing, yeah. stuffing their faces, whatever. Yeah, good stuff. Charles, Lord Cranley. I like the chap. He's a very nicely done stereotype. <laughs> but he's still a stereotype. I liked the George kicking down a burning door scene. <laughs> yeah, solid stuff. And Davison looked very good in that robe. Like... Props oh, absolutely. <laughs> Who's up for ordering a silk robe? <laughs> like ASAP yeah. after this episode. <laughs> Damn straight. That's it for the plus column. <laughs> That's it? So, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. All right. Here we go. I also haven't written down everything. I'm sure I could have written down more stuff. Yeah. Negative wise. Yeah. Casual racism. I mean, not cool. Agrees. Uh, cultural, cultural appropriation. Whatever you want to dress it up as. Yeah. This is, this is not doing things as we would like to see them done. Yep. Even though the companions are having fun and maybe riffing off each other a bit, they are entirely superfluous to this plot. <laughs> True. Um, <laughs> Nissa, Nissa being the slight exception, but I feel like the plot could have still worked if George had just grabbed Anne anyway. 
you know. Yeah. Thumbs down. More people should have gone to jail, should be going to jail, whatever. There should be consequences to what the fuck just happened. And it doesn't seem like there are <laughs> any at all. There is, we didn't actually talk about this, a terrible, I mean, absolutely want to punch the scriptwriter in the face exposition scene between Lord Lady Cranley and Sir Robin, which is basically how we learn about George's adventures and becoming captive, I think. Oh, I don't remember. I'm forgetting this. exactly what they what they expose but yeah it's literal literal kind of sidebar they come closer to the camera and it's just like oh do tell me what happened well you see this happened and then that and then this and this is this is entire backstory you need to understand the the scene we're about to show you yeah <laughs> nice like, <laughs> no oh my god this is terrible but by far the worst thing in this serial for me is the doctor in his absolute lack of of ability to defend himself i mean it wouldn't be cricket is not a defense doctor <laughs> like that is not a justification for why you wouldn't kill someone that's not not a thing that's going to stand up in court it's just someone accuses you because they saw you doing something you say i could never do that it wouldn't be cricket no fuck off <laughs> it's not a good defense. i can see other doctors saying that though like i can see matt smith saying oh that wouldn't be cricket in this context yeah taken out of context fine in this context terrible fine yeah yeah the ghost of us. <laughs> also, don't just tell randos from 1925 that you're a Time Lord, unless you're being fun with it, or you're going to carry that through a bit better. Totally agree. D- yeah. As part of your defense plan. Terrible. And I will say this again. The TARDIS is not proof. <laughs> Please don't just take people to the TARDIS to go, look, I've got a time machine. I've got a magic box. Whatever. No, Doctor no bad boy yeah so from all of that i i couldn't really justify giving this anything like what you have given oh, it no this i didn't mean, I mean to i didn't mean found, to i really want to revise my where rating you found that heart i have no idea <laughs> oh i really want to revise my rating i it well you saved me from the the absolute gutter so i i did bump it up slightly i, I bumped it up to start with from zero oh which, good <laughs> well all right <laughs> this, is where I semi-started. But it still stays in the zeros. It's a <gasps> 0.8. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> 0.8. Oh, okay, yeah. No, I mean, fair enough. Okay. Can I revise my rating ever so slightly? There are no rules. I'm quite happy for you to do so. Okay. I, because you've got a, an insane rating. It is an absolutely insane rating. I agree with you. Even Peter Davison himself doesn't like this episode. I would like to bump this down from a 2.5 to a at the very least, a 2.4, just symbolically, to clarify to everyone that this is subpar. <laughs> very good. Okay. Yes, it's done. All right, 2.4. Except though, on I the record. That's way too high, but yeah, okay, 2.4. It's 0.8, dude. Yeah. Holy smoke roonies and cheesecakes. All right, yeah. Um, wow. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Shall we have a listen to what okay, uh, Podcast Land thinks? We better. We'll find out how wrong we are. This love is Now let's hear from Podcast Land. Max 250, or it would get out of hand. Shazamatron, and welcome to the listener mini section of this podcast episode. Is everyone excited? Yes, you are. Thank you for answering my question. Today, oh my god, today we have no less than nine, you heard it, nine listener minis in this section, and we're going to read them out in their full splendor. So buckle up, yeah. 
strap down your pacemakers because we're in for a treat. First out the gate, we've got Stephen from Canada. Stephen Stephen from Canada. Canada. (laughs) Hello, Stephen. Hello there, Stephen. Stephen starts, bet you're surprised it's a historical. Yeah, true. I love pseudo-historicals with all my heart, but I find myself longing for these simple stories. No crazy alien invasions or time-meddling friars, just the TARDIS crew in the past and having them deal with the drama their foreknowledge brings. Should they interfere? Can they even interfere? These types of stories are one of the reasons why the first Doctor's tenure is my absolute favourite. Yeah, fair, nice. However, says Stephen, this two-parter doesn't quite live up to the philosophical drama in stories like The Aztecs and The Massacre, or the spectacle of stories like Marco Polo. Black Orchid feels less like those stories and more like a very strange episode of Downton Abbey. (laughs) Yeah. The story lacks connection to any large historical event, much to its detriment. While it exemplifies the Roaring Twenties perfectly, its plot is a Phantom of the Opera-esque murder mystery that is too predictable, too short, and too quickly resolved. Yeah, true. On all accounts. Even if it were done in the Hartnell era, I think I might have enjoyed it a bit better, but I don't think I would sing its praises. On a less disappointing note, I liked a lot of parts of this story. The 1920s setting is entertaining. The lookalike plot point feels like it's straight out of 60s Who, and Adric was incredibly entertaining. Yeah. I <laughs> don't believe I just read that. But no, I don't think I've ever connected with a companion on a more primal level than when seeing Adric devour an entire English buffet. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Can't wait to see more of him. Oh. <sighs> Is there something looming, Stephen? (laughs) I think there might be. (laughs) And Stephen concludes, overall, this earns a perfect, indisputable score of 2.5 Paisley bathrobes out of 5. Did I say indisputable? I forgot that I lowered this to 2.4. An (laughs) almost perfect score of (laughs) 2.5. Excellent Very nice, Stephen. Yeah, really good stuff. Thank you very, very much. Who's next, next, dude? Up, we've got Kieran Evans. What up, Kieran? Hello. What up, indeed? Kieran starts. Hmm, not really sure what to say about this one. The first of the Davison two-parters, we have historical for the first time since the Highlanders, i.e. no sci-fi element other than the Doc and Co. Though this is debatable, actually, as the plot could easily be set contemporary, the 1980s, as I'm sure I've seen episodes of Inspector Morse with similar enough plots. Oh, nice. It isn't really a true historical like we had during the 60s, whether with them getting involved in actual events like the Romans, the burning of Rome, and the massacre, or just in a particular setting, like the smugglers. Yeah, that's a fair point. After that, continues Kieran, I think the only things of note are the Doctor playing cricket, something some of the novels use as well, and Nyssa having a doppelganger, maybe making up for her being shafted in kinder. The first wicket that the Doctor gets was actually for real with Davison bowling. Bravo! Peter Davison. Bravo! Top show, bye. (laughs) Uh, Kieran's not done yet, though. Annoying railway con- continuity of using Quainton Road, Buckinghamshire, for the shots of the station, but the shot of the train departing is early Worcestershire. <laughs> Tardis Wiki says, beautifully, 
but they are wrong. I'm from around there. <laughs> Grr. <laughs> Oh, Kieran, you just you just became my hero. That is really awesome. <laughs> Those are serious nerd nerd credentials you're wearing out on your sleeve there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Bravo. <laughs> Kieran concludes, so it looks nice, but there isn't really a lot to it, despite having the highest viewing figures for a fifth Doctor story with 9.9 and 10.1 a million, respectively. For me, it's a fairly average at... <gasps> Gasp! Three out of five. He adds, P.S. Everyone watch the next one. Earthshock. Ooh. Yeah, we intend to, Kieran. (laughs) Yeah, we're not done yet. We're not stopping here. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, Kieran, fantastic, fantastic mini, as always. Holy smokeroonies and cheesecakes. People who are not Kieran... Please tell me you're already following him on Twitter, but on the off chance that maybe this is your first episode of Who Back When, uh, please do yourselves a favor, head on over to Twitter, say hi to Kieran on Twitter. He can be found at KJ Evans. What, Jim? Two. That's right. Thank you very much, Kieran. Next up, who's next, dude? Who's next? Who's next? Who's next? Why, it's a little dabble of Ed Corbett. Hello, Ed Corbet. His name's Ed Corbet, or it's Ed Corbett. That's right, it's one of those. <laughs> You're Sorry. such a jingle maker, it's amazing. <laughs> Ed, I'm really tipsy, I apologize. <laughs> it starts, the doctor starts by stressing that the fire they definitely started would definitely have happened anyway. Honest. Yes. <laughs> I'm sure the master goes with Tegan. Your aunt would definitely have died anyway. Stop giving me aggro. <laughs> That's such a good point. No, this is a really, really good point. I can't believe that the doctor basically just shirks responsibility for the fire of London. What a dude. <laughs> um, Ed continues, he then infiltrates a cricket match, pretty sure having two hearts is cheating. He asks the umpire if he's on middle stump, then sets his guard on off stump, but he needn't have worried that first delivery was wide by about two feet. From that montage, those bowlers couldn't hit a cow's ass with a banjo. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's, that's a spiffing simile. These guys are supposed to have reduced a team to 54 for 8? Wow. Uh, Sports lingo. Don't get it at all. (laughs) (laughs) Love it, though, Ed. Wait a minute, continues Ed. Tracken went from being a union to being an empire. Has Nissa let a dirty little secret slip (laughs) there? Possibly. I'd completely forgotten. I love the way that when the Victorians see the fantastic technology of the TARDIS, continues Ed, they respond with, well, everything seems to be in order here. Clearly an alien couldn't be a murderer. Yes, Exactly. Uh, Jim, uh, Jim Cakes, I believe here's our friend who agrees with us. <laughs> yes, I believe so. And it turns out with George dead, no one has to answer for any of this for some reason. Doc seems fine to leave it at that. No questions about the imprisonment. None whatsoever. Of the disfigured exactly. man. No, not whatsoever. No? Okay. <laughs> yeah. Exactly, yeah. Uh, I think it might be one of those double jeopardy situations where he had already been legally declared dead once, so he can't be legally declared twice. So, consequently, yeah, no one fell off the roof. (laughs) Quite possibly. Ed concludes, a short but sweet historical and a nice change of pace, and they manage well with their budget, e.g. the good job of hiding the join between the two takes of Sarah in the face-to-face shots between Nissan and Anne. Yeah, true. 
The TARDIS crew seem quite likable when people aren't constantly trying to murder them. And Ed gives this a score of, wow, 3.3. Nice one. Oh, nice yeah, one, Yeah, solid Ed. big heart from Ed. Check out the big heart on Ed. Right, it's <laughs> pumping all that blood. <laughs> what? <Mm-mm. laughs> <laughs> Thanks very much, Ed. Thanks, Ed. <laughs> Next, who we got? Why, it's Chris Dapps Paddock. Hello, Chris Dapps. Hello there, Chris Dapps. Chris Dapps uh, is so small, I'm just going to do it in one. Here we go. Dirty is the soul of wit, both in serials and reviews. And so I simply say that I love this. Oh, my God. It goes full Agatha Christie, kills a few people. God. Oh my Tegan God. does the Charleston, and it's over. That's true. Oh, yeah. Even Adrian wasn't <laughs> half bad. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> um, I don't think I can read this one because... Well, Fine, I'll see. do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, Chris Tapps, I want you to know I'm very aroused as I say this. Chris Tapps g- gives this 4.2. Holy smokes. Holy moly. Oh, my goodness. Oh, everyone's goodness. Chris Tapps, I... I um, were you on a sugar rush when you wrote this? This is some <laughs> incredibly generous stuff. Chris Tapps, huge heart. <laughs> very huge heart. And and yeah, I'd just like to say that it. at least... At least with my score, you can make it a perfect five. So there we <laughs> That's go. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> the average of which between the two of you is is my original score. <laughs> yeah. So actually, here's our friend who agrees with both of us. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you Quite. very much, Chris Tabs. Really, really good stuff. Love it. Next up, we got Peter Zunich. His name is Peter and his surname is Zunich. <laughs> The Zoonmeister. Hello, Peter. What up, Peter? Dooba dooba dooba. I'm really tipsy. I'm so sorry. It has just hit me. I don't know why it hits me at the end of every episode, every single time. I don't know what's happening. <laughs> Maybe we should start recording these episodes backwards. <laughs> Peter starts. I don't understand the haters. Sure. Sorry. Orchid's not a thrill, right? <laughs> Orchid's not a thrill, right? Sure, it's not epic, but remember. During Tom's years, we were all complaining about how not everything has to be about the end of the universe. Yeah, good point. We asked for this one. I know it relies on the old identical twins trope, but who has done that before? And some of those stories were among the best. In fact, this story would fit right in during the Hartnell era. Hmm. Yeah. Peter continues, perhaps, though, that's the issue. It doesn't quite fit in with the rest of the Davison stories. Yet that may also be the genius of it. For the first time in ages, we're presented a period piece that has no monsters, no masterminds. It's just a tiny sequence of events that would fit right in with any Agatha Christie story, pompous secondary characters and all. That's a second, Agatha. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. Fine. Yeah. Degustibus. Peter continues. What I see is a short trip that deftly teases the audience with the evil shoe dropping any minute, but it never does. It takes the time to develop the cast and explore their relationships (laughs) in a casual atmosphere like we've never experienced, including in this episode, Peter. (laughs) Sorry. Peter continues. It shows us the crew when they're not on the edge of a cliff. That's a good point. It takes a break from what was and quite deceptively sets us up for everything to come. Oh, interesting. Very interesting. I'll admit it's not great, uh, concludes Peter. 
If you're not in the right mood, it can be Snore City. Yet, given the bigger picture, it's an okay two-parter. Sticky wickets to you, says Peter, and he gives this 2.3. Nice. Excellent. Really excellent stuff. And a very solid rating. Biased though I am. Uh, Very good stuff. Thank you very much, Peter. Next up, we've got Andy Parkinson. Hello, Andy. Why, hello there, Andy. (laughs) Don't know why I said it like that. Yeah, Andy, I don't know why we've put you in that part of the world, by the way, (laughs) (laughs) accent-wise. Andy starts, tally-ho, chaps. Here's my Black Orchid review. Black Orchid is one of those stories which isn't really a Doctor Who story at all. It's more a cross of Agatha Christie whodunit and Phantom of the Opera. Holy smokes! This is your friend who agrees with you. It seems to have affected the TARDIS crew too. The Doctor is so weak and ineffective, henpecked by his companions and timid when accused of murder. Tegan has done a complete personality 180, no longer concerned with returning home. She's actually nice True, here. Yeah. Why haven't they written her this way before? Nissa gets to have fun with a doppelganger, and double Sarah Sutton is never a bad thing. <laughs> mm. Even Adric is bearable. Never yeah. once switching sides or acting like a dick. More this could less. be because he's stuffing his face at every opportunity. Something of a last supper for the condemned. Oh, wow. I, I have a feeling that we both now know what's <laughs> happening in the next one. <laughs> a lot of hints are being dropped, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> and he continues with a very short list of likes. Like number one, nice Tegan, more please. And the sets and locations are great. <laughs> End of likes. Next up, a list of boofs. First boof. Uh, where's the sci-fi gone? How many people is the doc going to show inside the TARDIS? Richard Mace last time, and now near the entire local police force? Yeah, that's a good point. I'm okay with Richard Mace, though. Dick Mace. Um, and last beef. George may be dead, but Lord and Lady Cranley got up to some dodgy stuff. Yet the cops and the TARDIS team seem to just let it go. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Indeed. <laughs> I vividly remember seeing this as a kid, says Andy, and being frightened by George. Sadly, watching it as an adult, it's lost some of its sheen. It's not terrible by any means, it's just a bit unremarkable. That said, because I remember it so well, I will give it a slightly higher score. And Andy awards this story 3.0 out of 5. Why didn't we leave after the cricket? <laughs> yeah, fair point. Yeah. Uh, In fantastic deep. mini. Fantastic mini, as always, Andy. Uh, people who are not Andy, you know what to do. Head on over to Twitter and tap Andy on the shoulder. Wait until he turns around and then go, yeah. What's the guy's name in Happy Days? The Fonz. With the Fonz. The Fonz. Yeah. Fonz style. Yeah. Jeez. <laughs> uh, oh, I'm so tipsy. I'm so sorry. Um, Andy can be found Tran- on translating <laughs> the, the drill coming out of Leon's mouth. <laughs> I think something along the lines of Andy can be found on Twitter at Caffrey's <laughs> 71. <laughs> That's 71 Caffrey's. <laughs> That's quite correct. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very you much, Andy. Next up. Why, it's Neil James. Hello, Neil. Hello, Neil. Neil starts, we open with a grizzly birder and a very large lip. I love the doc explaining to Nissa and Adric how a railway station works. 
Oh, yes, that's true. That's I like that scene as well. Being a two-parter, he continues, you'd think the pace would be cranked up, but it isn't. <laughs> no. <laughs> we get a relaxed and gentle part one, which is happy to breeze along and allows Davison to show off his cricketing skills. Love it! Lord Cranley is hilarious, and instead of moving the story along, we head off to a fancy dress party where Davison gets lost in a secret passage while his companions have a spiffing time. Adric eats a ton of food, Tegan flirts with a pensioner, yeah, I forgot about that, (laughs) and Nyssa dicks around with her doppelganger. Lovely stuff. It's really fun watching the party scenes, as it clearly started off warm and sunny, then pissed down later and everyone looks freezing. (laughs) Yes. In part two, <laughs> yes, very true. Uh, in part two, we discover that George is still very much alive and completely bonkers. Great makeup job on Big George, and nice stunt when he falls from the roof. <gasps> I've got trivia about that. We also discover that Lady Cranley is a first-class <laughs> class bitch, happy to incriminate the Doctor for murder. That's true, and he forgives her. Oh, and that's just dog. one of her unforgivable things. Yeah, true. Big shout out to the policeman whose cry of strike me pink when he sees the inside of a TARDIS is comedy gold. <laughs> Come, yeah. <laughs> it's tied up with a very rushed ending, which implies they all hung around for George's funeral. <laughs> Why? <laughs> <laughs> Clearly so that Tegan can get a fancy dress outfit out of it. And in conclusion, Neil says, I adore Black Orchid. And if you disagree... I will set fire to your mansion and drag you up to the roof. Jesus. So, Neil, I am not telling you where I live. (laughs) (laughs) Neil gives this a rating of, wowee, 4.5 out of 5. Wow. Yeah, I mean, that's, holy smokes, huge, huge heart, Neil. Yeah, I mean, you you podcast land people, you are slightly making me regret my score, but not that much. (laughs) Don't worry about it, man. That's fine. (laughs) People who are not Neil, please say hi to Neil on Twitter. Compliment him on his huge heart. Neil can be found at Neil Androzoni. Androzoni. What a coinkadink. Thank you, Neil. Thank you very much, Neil. Yeah. Oh, dude, uh, the trivia that I had was the stunt, that stunt scene of someone falling off the roof, it, it failed. The stunt man missed the, like, whatever cushion that he was meant to land on and landed on stone and like injured his legs holy moly he was okay thank goodness he was okay but he he injured he was like uh, apparently quite severely injured by it so i'm sorry for chuckling a moment ago that like it's a genuinely horrifying thing yeah that's yeah 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 i pour one out for his weekend of recuperation yeah there you go Quick, we saved it. Well done. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, thank goodness. Now, we have a heart. <laughs> now let's get into uh, James Ashley's review. What up, James? Hi, James. <laughs> <laughs> James says right back, Hi there. Thanks for doing the podcast as always. <laughs> hey, our uh, pleasure, James. James goes, Black Orchid is one of those cozy feeling serials, a story that feels comfortable and relaxing. This is probably because very little action takes place at a high intensity, but here it works in its favour. 
Hiding beneath this warm facade, a fairly dark story lingers beneath, so thankfully a good cast was used to pull it off. At only two episodes, it is quite strange that the serial still feels like it has enough breathing room, so it was a good move to use this for the two-episode slot. On a negative, continues James, I don't think the portrayal of indigenous cultures is great. No. While the use of a horrific accident to create a monster does feel a little uncomfortable. Yeah. To conclude, the cast are having a great time and that transcends onto the audience. And though the aforementioned issues bring it down, Black Orchid still remains a neat and comfy serial. The stakes are not the highest, but it doesn't hinder a most enjoyable and unique story. Indeed, Rooney and James awards this serial 3.6 out of 5. Solid mini from James Ashley. Uh, yeah, uh, good stuff. Like, yeah. Quite frankly, agree with literally everything you've just said, James. Very good stuff. People who are known, James, you can follow James on Twitter and learn about his mannerisms. He can be found at James Ashley. All in one word. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, nice. I jumped the gun. <laughs> no, that's <was> very good. <laughs> You're my friend who agrees with me. <laughs> Next, Next up, last up. And last. Mm. Who is it? It's Michael Ridgeway. 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 <laughs> Hello, Michael. Hello, My there, goodness, Michael. Michael. Michael has this time not provided a list of likes and a list of moves. He has simply provided a list of bullet points. Uh, <laughs> let's, let's ping pong them, shall we? First up, this story is brought to you by Ye Oldie Cadbury's Yum. Yes. Yes, exactly. What's the matter, old girl? Why this compulsion for planet Earth? Um, the budget? Yep. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Insert catastrophe, for which I'm directly responsible, is just part of Earth's history, is now my catch-all excuse for causing mass death and destruction. <laughs> <laughs> Indeed. Nice. Charles Cranley wouldn't be played by the same Michael Cochran who appears as a loopy explorer in Seventh, Seventh Doctor. Doctor. Masterpiece Ghostlight, would it? Ooh. I think it is. Very interesting. Oh, looking forward to that. Uh, next up, this story is clearly just a vehicle for Peter Davison to play cricket. Yep, true. <laughs> no dead servant in the cupboard is going to stop you having a good time, eh, Doctor? To the party! That, that's also a super good point. He's like, yeah, yeah, no, it's fine. I'm not going to tell anyone about this. Let's go dancing. <laughs> he takes time and puts on a costume. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cold-hearted bastard. <laughs> Right, next bullet point. Socially awkward Adric hanging around the buffet resonated. Oh, okay. With me as well, but mostly because I'm hungry. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) The police have taken the TARDIS Time Lord thing very calmly. Yeah, definitely. Setting fire to the door to escape is a risky strategy. Good stunt work, though. Yeah. Was George falling off the roof an accident? I maintain no. (laughs) That was Charles getting rid of an embarrassing family problem. (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Penultimate bullet point, Adric didn't get a present. And finally, why isn't Lady Cranley in prison? Yeah. Indeed. Uh, absolutely. A thousand. Yeah. He says, in summary, a whimsical oddball, and he awards this what rating, Jim Cakes? Why? Michael gives this 3.4 out of 5 servants <gasps> with sore necks after running with George. <laughs> oh my goodness. Wowzers. Uh, it- yeah. <laughs> very good stuff. Thank you very much, Michael. 
people who are not Michael, please head on over to Twitter and tell Michael what a spiffing mini that was. Michael can be found at bad underscore movie underscore club. No more underscore. And when you say hi to him on Twitter, please add from us so big. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you very much, Michael. Thank you, Michael. And that very neatly summarizes this podcast episode. Thank you for everyone who sent in a mini for this one. Hugely appreciated. Always lovely to hear from you guys. What have we got coming up next, though, Jim Cakes? Because this surely is not the last of Doctor Who. Well, of course not. New Who will be continuing with, I believe, Thin Ice. Dang right it will. Oh, I'm looking forward to that. I remember that one being good. After which, we're back in Classic Who territory with Earthshock, which I hear might have a um, character development. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that's right. Yeah. And at some point, we will be returning to Bonus Who territory with what, Jim Cakes? Why, I believe it will be some kind of audio production called Strange Readings. That's right, yeah. We have, we've received a whole bunch of recordings, by the way. I, I feel like I need to get in touch with some people because some stuff may have gotten stuck in spam folders. I will probably cut this whole thing. Uh, so, yeah, that's right. Who Back When's second Doctor Who audio adventure is coming up soon. Yeah, that's right. In the meantime, people can say hello to us, though. That's right, isn't it, Jim Doodles? People can find you on Twitter where? I can be found at Jimmy the Who. That is some seriously solid branding, man. Well done. Um, Thank you. People can find me as well. They just need to look a little bit harder because my branding ain't as good. I can be found as Ponken, P-O-N-K-E-N. Say hi to me. I will say hi right back. Until the next time, please stay safe, stay responsible, take care of yourselves, rock on, and cha-chao. See ya. Kablamo! Did you enjoy the show? Then please do what the cosmos compels you to and spread the gospel of Who Back When. Tell your friends! But I've got no friends! No problemo, tell some strangers! Hey! Like us on Facebook. That's facebook.com slash whobackwhen. All in one word. Are you into Twitter? Awesome! High five us online and we'll high five you right back. You guessed it, we're at whobackwhen. All in one word. Check us out on Instagram for behind-the-scenes photos and other Whovian goodness. Watch our videos or even listen to our podcast on YouTube. That's whobackwhen.com slash YouTube. Vote us up on Reddit, listen to us on Stitcher, and head on over to our website, whobackwhen.com, where you can submit a review of your own, browse the article archives, and peruse our visual index of aliens, monsters, and more, which increases in Kablamos with every episode. And lastly, give us a rating and review on iTunes. It helps our show get noticed and earns you lots of karma points. That's it. Rock on and be rad and excellent to each other. Catch your earballs in our next Who review or bonus episode. Until then, cha ciao. Who back when?